This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and I'm going to walk you through what's a little bit of an advanced concept, but I think um, even if you aren't doing Eat Reform, even if you're wondering what it's like long-term, these are some of the ideas that, that will actually help you, right? And so what I want to talk about today is this concept of reverse dieting, because without practice in it, it's really a difficult thing. It's especially a diff difficult thing if you're trying to master it on your own, right? So when we look at why people succeed at dieting or why they fail at dieting, more often than not, it's not the part where you're eating less, right? Like, you know, you can do virtually anything and kind of figure out that piece. The problem that most people have is sort of taking those good habits that they learn in the period where they're eating less and then transferring those good habits to when they start eating more, right? So, you know, let's say that you're end of a at the end of a dieting cycle, you did it kind of the eat reform way where you you know, pulled things down as you go. And then towards the end, your calories were kind of aggressively low, maybe not aggressively low for a super long time, but aggressively low. Well, what's going to happen? At the end of that diet cycle, you're going to want, you know, more energy dense foods, rather than the nutrient dense foods that sort of helped you get to where you were, right? The problem is, if you look at, and I'll talk specifically about how we do it at Eat to Perform, is that you have roughly a six-week cycle, right? And in that six-week cycle, you know, your calories are going to tier lower as you go. In a, in a sense, though, it's actually somewhere in the neighborhood of about an eight-week cycle, right? Because when you're calories are sort of at that lower level and maybe your BMR is kind of lowering to sort of adjust as you go. And so you, you're playing this game. This is why you tear things down, right? This is the biggest problem that most people have when they do dieting in general. They just go to an online calculator. The online calculator tells them a really super low number. And then they lose a lot of weight very quickly. And then they hit a wall right? And so if you look at how we do it, where you're walking through these various stages, kind of milking each stage for as much as possible, you actually get farther in a shorter period of time, right? Just in terms of whether or not you can kind of stick to the plan. So, so when you're looking at a diet cycle, and specifically the diet cycle that is six weeks long, you really kind of need to look at it as if it's almost eight weeks long. And the reason why I say that is you have to factor in the time that you're reversing, right? Because your body, like I said, BMR is compromised. You know, you, you're probably feeling a little fatigued, things of this nature. And you really want to add calories back. We're, we're typically adding calories back about 200 uh, calories uh, at a time, right? So very quickly within two weeks, you've got 600 to 800 calories to play with, whereas you would not necessarily have that if you're doing it intuitively. Intuitively, most people go, okay, well, I'm going to eat a little bit more, and maybe the calories were 1,100, 1,200, and they move to 1,300, 1,400, and then they get scared that anything more than that is going to cause kind of this 
you know, weight gain. And what you will see is a certain amount of weight fluctuation, right? But if you look at kind of the way that we do it, where you have these low days, usually, you know, and, and if you're a long-term eating performer, or even if you're not, you probably have heard of the concept, you know, that we call a super day, which is the day that you can eat most flexibly. The day before is a low day. Once again, this is all very common information if you're an eating performer, but if it's new to you, what the low day before your super day does is it allows your weight to be the lowest it will be for that week. Now, there are instances, right, where, you know, if you're a man and you worked out differently than you normally would, maybe your weight might actually be up after a low day. Um, if you're a woman and, you know, it's around time of the month, th those all things play a factor, right? But as a coach, I'm looking at that number and I'm trying to determine it as a baseline. So if, if as an example, you know, I'm seeing this good long trend downward, I'm not necessarily going to be taking food back, right? Uh, or a back lower um, in a fat loss cycle. But if I'm in a um, if I'm in, if I'm pushing somebody in a reverse or what we call performance or, or AP, which is the adaptation prevention phase, um, what I'm looking for in that moment is how you're responding to that low day and where your weight is comparative to when we stopped the fat loss cycle, right? So like, as an example, let's say that, you know, you stopped your fat loss cycle at 143 pounds and um, you're two weeks in, we've, we've done two bumps so far, right? And your weight a week and a half later is 143.4. Well, we're going to continue adding food at that point. Now, you might look at it and go, but my weight was 146 on Tuesday. We're not concerned about Tuesday. Tuesday is simply the fluctuation, right? And so what we're really focused on is that it just comes down to the baseline because what happens when you're dieting, there's a lot of dehydration going on. There's a lot of factors where you're not going to be dealing with the kind of, um, you know, it, it really is kind of the way that your body holds water. Right. And so as you're adding more food in, as you know, some carbs are coming back, fats are coming back. You know, I always kind of look at fats as almost like a stopper in a sink. Right. As the fats get higher, usually that holds kind of the water in the sink a little bit more. And so it really does kind of take that low day for all that water to maybe drain out. But you're naturally going to have a little bit more water that you're holding throughout the week as calories go up. And a lot of people will go, well, isn't that carb specific? No, like I just said, the, the once that fat number's up, it, it sort of hap it's almost like a stopper that sort of keeps that, you know, water in your cells to make your cells more effective. This is why when you're having more energy, you're eating more energy, things of this nature, you you're going to feel more energetic in the gym. You're going to sleep better, all these various things, right? And, and so this is one of the biggest factors why food needs to come back. And then we're always kind of working towards normal. Now, does that mean that your weight will never 
fluctuate up from that low number. You know, well, in the case that we were just talking about, the lowest number being 143, if, as an example, in a fat loss cycle, you started off at 165, and now all of a sudden you're at 145, I would say that that's a good trade-off for most people, right? I mean, if we're looking at weight as something that you manage or something that you view in cycles, it doesn't mean that you never do it again, right? And so, like, you know, one of the things that's becoming very well known within the e-perform circles is the idea of a mini cut, right? So you'll see that a lot where you have somebody and they started off at 165 and they're, you know, five, six, you know, and they get down to, to 143. And I would say, let, let's just go six to nine months later, um, they are now at 147, 148, right? Well, at that point, I would actually make the argument to the client that they're actually more inclined to be building muscle at that weight than they would be trying to stay at 143. But this is where sort of the client-coach negotiation happens, right? And so I, I'm thinking of an example where, you know, at about nine months, uh, a client that had lost similar weight to what I just discussed, you know, she, um, she wanted to do like a mini cut to sort of manage things. And I talked her out of it, and she actually stayed in the cycle where she was building for almost a year and a half, right? Then after that year and a half, you know, we picked a time on the schedule. And what was interesting is that the time on the schedule was around a vacation, right? And so everything in her being wanted to go to the vacation as lean as possible. But in a lot of ways, that vacation was um, kind of a deterrent to what would actually solve the problem, right? Because, you know, if you look at kind of the way that your body wants to work, your body wants to perform with more food, it wants to thrive, it wants to do all of these great things. And then, of course, we have wants where we want to look good in Cancun, right? The problem with wanting to look good in Cancun is that it's sort of fool's gold, right? So if we ran a mini cut of, let's say, three to five pounds, all that would happen is we would lose all that runway that we gained in that that year and a half, right? Runway being enough calories to propel yourself so that you're building lean mass. You may be in a little bit of a surplus every now and again, but the majority of the time you're kind of staying weight stable. And I would argue that, you know, five pounds over the course of a year and a half it is very weight stable. Even in that instance, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, even if it got to the point of maybe let's say eight pounds, um, and then the person comes back from vacation and it ends up being 10 pounds, that's still a lot better than, um, cutting five pounds, going on the vacation, first couple of drinks, you know, your body's just not ready for that amount of calories, right? And then you end up, you know, 10 pounds up over where we had started. So instead of 143, you're on 53. Now, what are you going to want to do? Well, you're going to want to cut again, right? And we already wasted the cut. 
we already used the runway, right, before you went on vacation. So we really don't have any options. Now, would you process some of that water? Yes, right? Would you be able to um, kind of get back to a reasonable weight? Sure. But the problem is, is if your calories are low going into vacation, this is why we never, ever, ever, ever recommend someone do a cut going into vacation. Doesn't mean that people don't do it, right? But we never recommend it that way because you're much better off working performance, having a high level of calories. So in the example that I'm talking about, the woman's calories were right at 2,800. So when she went on vacation, yeah, she gained like two to three pounds, but it was only two to three pounds, right? Because her calories were normally high. And because her calories are normally high, because she's working out and things of this nature, her body is used to that amount of caloric load, right? And so it's much easier once she's back, you know, to, to then, you know, work on getting her to a level of lean, that maybe she hadn't been at previously. And oh, by the way, in that year and a half, let's say that she gained three pounds of muscle, right? Well, we don't need to necessarily get back to to 143, but oftentimes I do push clients to go a little farther. So I might actually try and push that person to go to about 138 so that we now then have a little bit more breathing room going into the next year, year and a half, right? A lot of what you guys want to do and gals um, is you want to have a lot of control over these situations. And, and, and what a coach's role in that situation is to walk you through what the best approach is, but also the best approach mentally, right? And so, you know, the two things that happen with the reform is that when you're in a fat loss phase, you're you're gonna know when it ends. You're gonna know when food comes back. You're gonna have real good ideas. You're having conversations with your coaches along the way. Then once your calories are normalized, you're continuously having conversations with your coach related to managing a weight eventually if that needs to happen or why you know things are happening and why it might be normal, or maybe some things that we have to be concerned about as we go. So that's sort of the value of having a person that knows things that you don't know. Okay, so this is a long way to get to my main point. My main point is that whether it's in the adaptation phase in between the fat loss rounds, or the performance recomp phase, which is the phase where you know, the client that I was just talking about existed for a year and a half. The best way, this is not questionable, is fastest. Okay, so when I described, you know, being 600 calories up after two weeks, a lot that that scares people, right? Because they think, well, am I going to gain weight in that instance? Well, once again, you do have a coach that's keeping an eye on that, right? Um, and when you look at it, and we've done it, you know, with thousands of clients, the faster you do it, the better 
your body responds to it because, you know, if you look at why you plateau on the low side, right, your body is adjusting to balance, which is ultimately called homeostasis. Now, many of us have plateaued. We're very familiar with plateaus. But what we haven't done in a lot of instances is push homeostasis on the top end, right? And so what happens in programs that aren't like Eat Reform that are sort of adopting reverse dieting, they're sort of relatively new to this process. And there's certainly an element of control that the, the client has over the coach in this instance, because the coach is, you know, maybe not that familiar with how the body's going to work or how comfortable it can be. We've been doing this for eight to 10 years. So we know faster is better. So let me explain, you know, one, related to the balance, related to homeostasis, by the time your body's starting to figure out what the, the, the top end is, you know, you've already adjusted and then we can start playing a little bit more cautiously once calories are closer to normal. And so as a general rule, I don't want to get hung up on this, right? But as a general rule, the numbers are going to be 2,500 for men and 3,000, uh, I'm sorry, 2,500 for women and 3,000 for men. Does that mean that we're going to bring you to, from, from, you know, your lowest calories to 2,500 as quickly as possible? No, but we want you to be in spitting range of 2,500, right? Or in the case of men, 3,000, so that as we're going throughout the year, year and a half, like I'm describing with my client, that we can actually get you to where you're thriving and potentially building muscle as you go. And oh, by the way, as you have these flexible moments where you're going on vacation or whether you're at a grad party or whether it's date night or whatever, your body can handle these calories differently than it would be if you're still clinging on to your lowest weight from a diet cycle, right? And so I kind of refer to that often in, in, in you know, post as sort of creating a prison that you don't know how to get out of. I'm actually explaining to you right now that, you know, it's much better to go faster and get closer to the 2,500 for, for women, closer to 3,000 for men, so that then we have some room to build as we go. And we can be a little bit conservative, let's say a little bit conservative around 2,000, a little bit conservative around 2,600 for men, so that we have some room to build as we go through the year, year and a half. Um, and we are not losing all the progress that we made. Okay, so here's the other big part of this discussion and part of the discussion why faster is better, right? So, you know, without question, you know, we've done it with so many people that it's just obvious that faster is better, right? Clients like to move a little bit slower just because they're naturally cautious. They just put in a lot of hard work and they don't want to lose that hard work. Here's the problem with going slow and too slow. Now, all of a sudden, you have a grad party. Now, all of a sudden, you know, your husband or wife has a work function, right? And then your, your options for food, you know, aren't quite there. Or maybe there's a little bit more alcohol, right? Now, all of a sudden, if we're approaching this slow, 
you know, and a lot of times we do approach things really cautiously. Uh, it, as I'm making this video, we will be talking to clients and saying to them, this is the better approach, but if you want to play it cautiously, we can, okay? But here's what you need to know if you choose to play it cautiously, that if we can get you back to relative normal in, let's say, two to three weeks, right? Now, all of a sudden, you know, you can handle those grand parties better. You can handle vacations better. You can handle, you know, a, a uh, festival that you go to for music, you know. And you have to think about these things as you know, things are opening up right now. If you're, if you're listening to this four years from now, you know, this was the time where we were going through COVID, you know, and, you know, a lot of people are being vaccinated. And so the world is going to be opened up. Well, guess what's going to happen when the world opens up? We're all going to want to enjoy our life. And part of enjoying our life is food freedom, right? And the freedom to enjoy ourselves, you know, if you're in a performance cycle, right, and we're really looking to get some recomp where you're trying to trade uh, fat for some lean mass, you cannot do that at 1,500 calories for a woman and 2,000 calories for a man, right? I mean, scientifically, yes, it can happen, but science also knows that you know, you're only really going to build mass when calories are higher, when you have more raw materials to replace the muscle that you're breaking down, right? And so now you take things a little cautiously. And so, so I'm going to use an extreme example where we, we take things a little bit cautious. And as coaches, I will say, you know, if you, you know, are at your lowest and you come out of the gate like every single diet, right? Well, eat form is not like every single diet, right? Like, so, you know, most diets, you're going to start at really low calories. Like I said, kind of hit a wall. And then, you know, three or four weeks later, you decide to quit and you end up at Cheesecake Factory. I don't know why I always use Cheesecake Factory, but if you ever look at the calories on Cheesecake, you uh, from the Cheesecake Factory, you'll see why, right? And oh, by the way, I love Cheesecake Factory. But doing it right as you came out of low calories is just a crushing experience, right? And one day, maybe you can get away with it. But now all of a sudden, right, you've been eating kind of low, you know, and you have that cheesecake. And now all of a sudden on Sunday, you kind of open things up, right? And then it lasts till Monday and you go, okay. I'm going to hit the scale because you've been kind of avoiding the scale a little bit and now your weight's up three pounds and it's after a low day. Well, your coach is going to try and rein things in a little bit for you, right? But it would have been way better off to approach it as an eight-week cycle once calories came back and then you could have had the cheesecake or maybe split a piece of cheesecake um, once those calories are back, right? And so that's the damage of taking it out two months, right? Is because your body never gets to the calories that it actually needs to be at, right? And part of that is when people come out of a, a fat loss cycle, 
they don't rely similarly on the habits and skills that they build, right? Partially because we all want to kind of go back to having kind of the energy-dense foods that, that our body is sort of craving and missing, right? Well, you know, right out the gate, you're going to get more calories, right? And like I said, you know, it ends up being right around 200 calories per jump. Well, I mean, 200 calories is right around a Snickers bar, right? If you haven't been eating very much, you know, and you you add a Snickers bar to that, which would be totally fine, that's no problem. But a 200 calorie Snickers bar compared to a 3000 calorie piece of cheesecake, you know, they're not similar, right? And so, you know, if you can have the discipline to continue learning off of what you learned in that fat loss phase, you will go much farther, much faster, right? But if you don't, coaches are naturally trying to keep you at the weight that you were at previously. And a lot of people go, well, you know, as my calories started to, you know, go up, my weight went up, but then they forget the grad party and they forget the vacation and they forget the weekend in Vegas, right? And so what we want to do, and one of the reasons why we know scientifically that faster is better, right? And we're kind of playing this game with all of you, you know, who are naturally scared, right? But the argument I'm going to make to you is that when you go faster, you now have the ability to handle all those things a lot better, right? And so what happens is, you know, we all have things that come up, right? And you don't want to feel imprisoned by food. And part of the prison that you create is just, you know, staying too low for too long, right? And so this is my argument for, you know, coaches are going to approach you and the coaches are going to ask you, would you like to go faster or would you like to go slower? And a lot of you are going to be tempted to say slower. But I'm going to tell you, you know, that that work party is going to come up or the weekend in Vegas is going to come up. And, yeah, we'll try and work through that. But we wouldn't have needed to work through that if we were allowed to let your body work the way that it wants to work. Right. And so this is my attempt to help you get over the fear of the way that your body actually wants to work. Right. If we want to be cautious, like I said, let's be cautious you know, for women around that 2000 calorie mark or for men around like, let's say 26 to 2700, we don't want to be cautious at 1500 or, or 1400, right? Because that's not going to allow us the flexibility to handle some of these larger calorie moments that just sort of happen in joyous moments in your life, right? And what I think happens for a lot of people that have been dieting for a real long time is they can think back to times where where you know they they couldn't mentally allow themselves to have joy or they had the joy and then they had a lot of guilt associated with the joy right we're trying to take all of that out of the picture right now does that mean that you know you shouldn't have a certain amount of discipline in the 6 week periods where you're doing fat loss um 
No, I mean, you're going to want to make sure that you're doing as best as you can in those moments, right? But when we're out of those moments, you would like to get calories to a point where you can have more flexibility. And then when we have that flexibility, weight will actually come back and handle those large calorie loads much easier, right? So that's the argument for faster. I know right now you're looking at your calendar and you're going, well, I want to go slow, right? It's March 15. I've got nothing on the calendar. And then wham, you know, there's four or five events that come and it's going to make things a little bit more difficult, right? And so you're just going to have to trust us that faster is a little bit better in this situation, but we can always adjust, right? That's the part of coaching. What we can't adjust to is naturally doing things slower, coming out of the fat loss cycle, going immediately into a vacation or immediately into like a large calorie weekend. And then we're always scrambling and your calories actually never get back to your normal. So a couple things here just to end this is that don't view your six-week cycle as a six-week cycle. Really look at it almost as an eight-week cycle and make sure that your coach knows that you're comfortable, you know, kind of pushing things a little bit more aggressively so that you can get back to normal faster, right? And then the, the second part, um, I'm, I'm losing track of what the second part was going to be, um, but the, the second part is, well, I'm just going to end right there. Sorry about that. If I think of it later on, maybe I'll kind of add it as a note to this podcast. I did cover all of <laughs> the things that I probably just forgot about there for a second um, within this podcast. So, you know, just really think about that as your coach is approaching you and walking you through what is best and why and, and what's going to allow you to have those moments of joy guilt-free while still reaching your goals, while still keeping the progress that you've made along the way. All right. Talk to you later.